Welcome to the Two Sons Podcast. Happy Wednesday, everybody. I hope all of you guys are having a great week so far. You know what, Luke? I was super bummed about two-thirds of the way through that episode this week. Why? Because I was like, this is the filler episode. Oh, yeah. It's here. And then finally, we got something of real importance at the end that made it at least worthwhile. Yes. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Actually, though, probably the biggest event in Star Wars history, Lizzo. Yeah, Lizzo. (laughs) Knights Grogu. As, what is it called? Uh, A Knight of the Ancient Order of Independent Regencies. Yes. So probably the most profound thing we've ever seen in Star Wars history. And all he had to do was kind of tug on her dress a little bit a bunch of times. (laughs) Din was like, he doesn't want to be held. Then he like triple front flips into her arms. That was hilarious. Dude, Jack Black is a total vibe too. Dude, Jack Black. Okay, I I kind of not. Okay, I was very curious to see what you thought of this episode. Overall, again, I liked it. But... Like, Jack Black made that episode for me. That's so funny. I think. He was the one thing that I really found redeemable about that. And then the all of the jokes that... I, I First of all, okay, a couple things. I generally hated the storyline of this episode. Oh, okay. Like, I the, liked I, the idea I of it. the droids, like, going to a bar and hanging out, like, eh, whatever. <laughs> uh, the, like, the Nepenthe thing, eh. But like, uh, and then the, obviously the filler storyline, uh-huh. um, all of that was it was kind of weird. The Game of Thrones, or not the Game of Thrones, the um, uh, uh, Hunger Games vibe that you picked yeah. up in this episode was definitely strong. Uh, but I thought that the Jack Black thing, like the Jack Black personality thing, like, kind of saved it. And then the chemistry between Bo-Katan and Din Djarin is like really cool. Like there, it is. There's there's such it like cool. a like Bo-Katan seems so like oh this fucking guy at the beginning. Yeah. And now like you can tell there's like a mutual respect there because he kind of saved her when she ran into that ambush with all the Imperial uh, starfighters while yeah. she saved him on on Mandalore. So there's chemistry there. All the jokes by Din Djarin, like there's a lot talking of jokes. about the droids, like that well, kind of stuff saved it for me. But yeah. I, I'd be lying if I didn't tell you I didn't enjoy it. It was necessarily ninety percent filler. Uh, just for a small token of the advancement of the storyline, a.k.a. Bo-Katan, right? So do you just want to jump into it and just talk about the big thing at the end? And yeah, we'll we, should, about- we should probably start there. Um, the like the one thing I wanted to say about Jack Black, too, before we move on there, is like you and I have kind of like... Jack Black, just in general, at this phase of his life is such a vibe. Yes. Oh, like, yeah. Luke sent me this video on TikTok the other day, and it was just like him... And some other musician like belting out, what's the name of the song? I just want to fall in love. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like so into it, and like it just kind of reminds me of like 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 Jack Black has reached a phase in his life where he's like completely immune to shame, and ju- well, he's probably always been that way. But like he genuinely is just like I'm gonna do what he I just want does to do. his thing. Yeah, like he's there's just, a like, he's unapologetically YouTube. him. Oh yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Which is I think that's why we like dogs. Not saying that Jack Black is a dog. <laughs> Complete sidebar over here, but like, like I always say this: like dogs are unapologetically themselves. Like that's why we like them. You I know crazy. what I mean? Like, yeah, that's what I was like. My dog Lola, like she just gets excited for no reason, and she just starts to like stomp around my house, and I always just make fun of her and call her crazy for it. But like, no, like Jack Black is unapologetically himself, and I think that's why like everybody loves him. Like I don't know of anybody who doesn't like Jack Black. Like I really don't. The whole entire time He's I was watching that episode, approval rating. One hundred percent, one hundred and one percent. Ned Schneebly, if you will, from uh, School of Rock. Yes, That's who yes. he impersonates to to get the teaching job. So, like, the, I don't know. When I saw Jack Black, I just like got so excited. 
And what was so cool is him and Lizzo just completely leaned into the characters oh, that yeah. they're playing. Like, I'm not a huge Lizzo fan for no reason at all. Like, I don't dislike Lizzo, but I just don't really care. Like, I'm not like I'm not a big into famous person. Like, I'm not like I'm not into famous people. But Jack Black, I'm down. Luke's for. not into famous people. Yeah, yeah which is why I'll never be famous. <laughs> like, I don't want to be. <laughs> well, dude, the uh, uh, the like the overall like vibe of the whole situation too, where it's like, oh yeah, none of us work. All we do is party. Oh, because I the know. droids do all the work. And they for knew us. how ridiculous it was, <laughs> and you could tell that they're just kind of like they're just leaning into oh, it. Oh yeah. Um, they had one other cameo, not cameo, but uh, a big actor. Um, and the dude who got scientist. It was just yeah, the scientist from um, Back to the Future. His name's um, oh yeah, yeah yeah. What's his name? Christopher Lloyd. Is yes, what his yes, name is. yes. Yeah. So uh, that was cool to see. Like, if I was a famous person, I feel like I would just reach out to Star Wars and be like, hey, like, I'll be in your shows for free. I literally just want to be a part of the Star Wars universe. Like, that would be dope, right? Oh, absolutely. I think, I, think that, on that. I think that, like, literally, like, there's got to be a line of 100 celebrities that have contacted Kathleen Kennedy in some way, <laughs> shape, or form through their agent that's like, I don't care. Yes. If I'm literally in the back of a bar, like playing Sabak, like I want to, I want to be <laughs> in the Star what? Wars Sabak Sabak Sabak. Sabak. <laughs> no, but, like literally, like it, like some of them are probably like, I'll do it for fifty thousand dollars, real cheap, real cheap, <laughs> and then I'd, I'd be like, I'll pay you fifty thousand yeah, dollars. Okay. You're like approach a lady. It's like I want to empty my savings yeah. to be in a Star Wars episode. <laughs> I want to be a droid. You don't even see my face. I'm just like in an R2 I'll unit, be sipping just... on Nepenthe. <laughs> Nepenthe. Okay, let's let's talk about the big thing, no no right? no i have one other thing okay okay you brought up dogs and their craziness this is a true story that just <laughs> happened okay so like obviously you see this part of the setup some of you hoops tonight listeners have, are very familiar with the setup um well basically this is my guest bedroom right so it's like a small bedroom it's probably what 12 feet by 10 feet 12 feet by 12 feet yeah something like that small bedroom right so uh all i have is like acoustic foam on the walls around me and then in front of me is just a clusterfuck of technology right <laughs> so like there's a mac right here there's a zoom box which is basically like a podcast mic hub here there's the camera which is on a tripod and it's like a fancy camera there's uh i have four, four different sets of lights four different lighting units one of them is a double lighting unit so there's like tons of lighting i have a monitor on the back wall that it, i use when i'm like doing shows with which Colin is literally Coward. stretching out to like half of the room it's yeah. ridiculous well so i needed to like position the monitor like directly behind the camera so it's yeah. like a teleprompter right there's so also have a, five guitars in here <laughs> yeah there's yeah there's five guitars in here and that's not all of my guitars uh because we we just moved into this house too uh uh, uh like back in january so like we're kind of still like not fully organized yeah. either so basically like this area directly in front of me has what at least 12 cables and cords and it's just it's just a clusterfuck right so i have two australian shepherds in a in a uh, uh great pyrenees and i don't know how this is the first time this happened yeah i but don't like, know either. i'm i'm in here getting the chair set up for luke and moving some things around and and uh, uh luke's in the kitchen and he's just kind of finalizing his notes and casey my female australian shepherd just walks in and just fucks <laughs> shit up just like everything just, went with her yeah just which i didn't see i just heard jason just yelling i'm like, like casey what are you doing <laughs> dude so she i so thought she, jason was dying she was walking too it's not like she was running she came walking through and just casually just, just she tripped over all the cables pulled the macbook entirely off the table it slammed into the tripod the tripod fell unapologetically over. herself oh dude yeah yeah she i'm crazy <laughs> yeah she is crazy so yeah that was what we just dealt with but yeah, yeah. i love your your point is is true it's like dogs have they they have no shame they yeah 
yeah. they're going to behave the way they want to behave, and, and that's the way it is. But, oh, one other Jack Black thing. Okay, <laughs> this is completely derailed. We will eventually get to this episode. I'm Luke. This is Jason. This is Two Sons Podcast. We talk a lot about Star Wars. Don't forget, <laughs> this is not a podcast and Lu- about and dogs Luke's lack and Jack of affinity Black. for famous people. <laughs> yes. Anyway, uh, one of my all-time favorite videos that I've ever seen of Jack Black. He's literally cruising around L.A. And then he drives up to skateboarders that he doesn't know. And he just goes, do a kickflip. <laughs> <laughs> and then if they try a kickflip, he just hands them a skateboard and then just drives off. I thought that was Tony Hawk that did that. I think he did that too. But like, oh, Jack, Jack Black, Black actually started definitely it. Definitely does. Like, do dope. a kickflip like, in dope. his Jack Black voice. That's very yeah. dope. I All like right. Jack Black. I'm, I'm excited for School of Rock too. Uh, the school original, of Rock the original school. They're making a second school. Of no Rock. way. We're definitely gonna break that down. Yeah, we're gonna break that okay, down. Okay, cool. We might have to do cool. a school Niche, of Rock one neighbor. rewatch. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Let's do it. All right. So um, we one of the biggest uh, um, kind of like storylines that we've seen throughout this Mandalorian uh, three seasons mm-hmm. is you know Din Djarin is the primary character and like he's a badass in his own right. Right. Like he's certainly not a slouch. But like he's got like major Wild West vibes, like good guy, carries his own weight, you know, and will, will kick ass if he needs to, but doesn't try to. And he doesn't have he doesn't have grand ambitions. He's no. very much just like he's just he's very much like kind of in the background. Yeah. All, and, and, and like the storyline is like, in his lane. Uh, yeah, exactly. And the storyline is him and Grogu. But like Bo-Katan is like clearly a level above him as a Mandalorian. Combatant. She's royalty. too. She's royalty. And we we had seen as, uh, scenes with her just messing people up with the dark saber. She actually yeah. had possession of the dark saber at one earlier yep. point in time. So like it, we it, we were always just wondering like okay oh and then she's a- also into the mythosaur mm-hmm. and we keep kind of looking at it like okay what's the deal is she gonna go after this mythosaur thing like what about the dark saber like is Dinjarin gonna keep it every time Dinjarin uses it he looks all like clumsy looks heavy and the out dark of saber has rejected him yeah. exactly so like like. We were wondering how it was going to turn out at the end of things, and yeah. there was a weird scene, and we identified it at the time. We did in our episode, but when uh, when Dinjarin gets captured on Mandalore, and Bo-Katan saves him, yeah. there's kind of this weird moment where Bo-Katan picks up the the lightsaber and messes up the droid, mm-hmm. and then sets it back down on the ground. And then Din Djarin like walks up and like they zoom in on him, like picking picking up that lightsaber and clipping it on his hilt. They kind of flash back over to Bo-Katan's face and she's kind of just sitting there watching him. And so, and they did a good job doing that into like the recap video. uh Like they made that very clear. So when I saw that, it was very, very clear. I was like, okay, you know, we're going to see that, that, um, handoff again and it's going to be legitimate. And it makes perfect sense to me because like, like Bo-Katan and Din Djarin are like legitimately like brothers in arms now. Yeah. And brothers and sisters in arms. And so the the point is, is like they, they found a way to get the lightsaber over to Bo-Katan without having to have some sort of massive conflict between Din Djarin and, and her. Between the two personalities or the two characters. Yeah. Exactly. And now we're poised for Mandalore the Great. Yes. Which the is next. Bo-Katan. The next. Yeah. It's going to be her on the damn mythosaur. Just lightsaber in hand, just just messing things up. Yeah, just just doing damage. You know, yeah. I wonder. I wonder if they're going to stay true homies or if there's going to be some conflict, right? Like, so like, nothing's perfect in movies and 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 in shows. And there's always you know things that are are put into the plot just to to surprise us. Filler. Yeah. yeah. Well, not even filler, but just like shock and awe. Shock and awe. Yeah. And and I really hope that. Um, 
Din Djarin and Bo-Katan's relationship doesn't get ruined over just like needless, you know, storyline. I don't think I don't think we're going to see those two get into it. I, think, I hope not. I think that this ends with the two of them. Like I I think that the fans are very thoroughly enjoying this vibe of Dinjarin and Bokatan yeah. working together and I think they're going to try to maintain that. Bokatan becomes um Grogu's mama. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Dude, they have like a cool vibe too. Like they she, do she have a like cool makes vibe. little comments to him and But then, uh, everybody loves Grogu. Yeah. Like everybody loves him. Uh, uh, the, like the Starship lady approval rating. Yes. Like, uh, Grogu yes. or Jack Black people, which one oh, would you You had to oh. erase one from popular culture. Who are you, who are you erasing? <laughs> uh, not Jack Black. <laughs> not not Jack. Sorry Grogu. <laughs> Sorry Grogs. <laughs> Not Jack Black. You you'd rather have Grogu die in Order sixty six than lose than lose Jack Black. Yeah, I think so. No, I don't know. I don't know. I do love Grogu, but dude, here's the deal. Like, there's so many amazing Star Wars characters that like. No offense to anybody listening to our pod. Like, I know we have some true Star Wars fans, but like, Grogu's not in my top ten. I'll tell yeah, you that for sure. I, I enjoy. Uh, I'm not anti Grogu by any stretch. Yeah, of no, the neither am I. But, but like, just never talk about him or Jack Black. <laughs> he's not, well. The problem is, is there's a limitation on how interesting he can be. Yes, I agree. So and because, like, because what is what is he? Fifty years old now? Yeah, like fifty. Probably now he's probably like fifty-two. So yeah, and so he needs to be what, like, hundred and fifty years old to actually be like young Yoda, right? right? Yeah, and we don't so, know how big he is in Star Wars plot lines still. But like, yeah. but like. At the time of the First Order and everything going down, he's uh-huh. clearly not involved in the galactic picture. Yeah, not that we know of. Because they yeah. refer to Luke as the last Jedi. True. Uh, True. So, like, like the reality is, although Grogu got separated from the Jedi, but the point is, is, like, Grogu is basically a background character, and by the time he's actually an adult and capable of really inflicting his... Jedi sorcery yeah. slash Mandalorian, uh, um, even to talk, yeah, like to do anything, yeah. is so far down the line that it's kind of like now you might see at some point in the future them uh, them do a you know a future show that involves Grogu Grogu as an yeah. adult, but I mean that's I that's or he like might be one of the they might too. be able to write him in into like Star Wars lore as like a books. behind the scene character that like really did something huge for the rebellion or something like that that we didn't know of you know oh for sure um, yeah yeah like in a behind the scenes book it, 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 i actually kind of like when they do that cuz i don't know if you remember that from the high republic books but like we we've read four high republic books mm-hmm. now although luke hasn't quite finished the actually i yet. just finished it you did? but i, I want to do some more prep work on it before we talk about it in the show yeah we'll do we'll do a full episode yeah. on it but like I like how in those four books they've made passing mentions of Yoda because mm-hmm. Yoda's like 500 years old at this point, right? Right. And they, they've made passing mentions to him, but they haven't like just shoehorned him into the storyline. Right. Like he's just back on, yeah, course he's on teaching just an important figure. And like yeah. people will be like, oh yeah, Yoda taught me this once and then they'll like move on to the next yeah. thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see if they make Grogu a part of the bigger picture or not. So far mm-hmm. they really haven't. No. Um, now, one of the really cool characters that we got to meet uh, was Axe Woves. Mm-hmm. So he kind of stepped up as an important figure for the Mandalorian group that had left Bo-Katan. Um, and apparently they were incredibly powerful. Like, th- how many do you th- Did you, you see the size of that were? fleet? Huge. They had at least probably four to five um, uh, Gauntlet-class starfighters. Yep. Um, they had... Uh, what what class of imperial shuttle was that? The, so the, larger... they, the big one, uh, the big one is like one of their small, like kind of like frigate class cruisers. But they also had a, like the yeah, one, one the that cruisers. they actually stole in that one episode. They had like. 
two or three of those and in you the see background. Them in the background. Yeah, yeah. So it's really cool. So, so they've got super like powerful. a capital ship, smaller mm. little like troop transports, and all these big gauntlet class fighters. <laughs> and probably, I mean, at one point on the screen, you saw like 20 different Mandalorians. Which is funny too, because the children of the watch like are a little bit hodgepodge. Like they're a little oh, bit yeah. like kind of pieced together. So I just envision like, you know, all those massive ships just rolling into Navarro like landing and then like the children of the watch just standing there with like a cup of beans be like you guys are here but they're like i'm so glad you're joining us in our endeavor to do something have some beans that's all we have really we don't have ships by the way we don't have ships Uh, but we uh, oh by the way we're in charge of everything we do like i get to order your ships around now (laughs) yeah no i wonder how that goes down Uh, Um, that's a little bit odd right oh absolutely yeah Yeah. i mean Maybe the armor just has that type of cachet. Who knows? Maybe. Do you... Uh, so, okay, I have a... My best guess would be that they roll up... They Like, they go back to Navarro. They join with the Mandalorians. And they all load up in these ships. And then they go to Mandalore, is my guess. Oh, you And my so? guess is that when they enter the Mandalorian system, they're going to run into a, uh, uh, a legit full-size Star Destroyer. Mm. Okay, I'm just throwing random guesses Okay, all right, all right. You're wrong. And there's going to be a massive space battle. That'd be dope. And then they're going to eventually make their way down to the surface. Okay. And there will be some sort of additional conflict there. And I, I would imagine in next episode, we'll also get introduced to Moff Gideon. That's my guess. Do you have yeah. any sort of projection for the future here? I think they made too big of a deal of the land ownership on Navarro to just write that out of the storyline. I'd like to think that, yes, I think there could be a huge space battle uh, between Moff Gideon and and the larger Mandalorian group that we got to meet. Um, I think that's going to be more centric towards Navarro, though. You think the final conflict's going to take place on Navarro? Um, or, or or around. That That's my guess. And, and of course, like, we... There's a very good chance, and we know this. We might be wildly wrong, right? But I think, I think they... Uh, they it would be odd for the children of the watch to be like, "Hey, thanks for all the land. Peace out. We're going to, to Mandalore." <laughs> or Mand- I, yeah, I get that, but like, I think that, I think that uh, what's his name, um, Grief Cargo would understand. Like, he probably would. He would, and 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 I think that the Mandalorians would also kind of like. There's no, there's nothing to stop them from like kind of having a presence in both places. True, kind of and like a marshal. Yeah, they're pretty large now, right? I also think we have to factor in that I think that this uh I say rebel um this republic marshal base with Zeb which mm-hmm. we have been confirmed as Zeb that from, is Zeb directly from Star Wars yes. uh, in their social media pages mm-hmm. like I would love to see them get involved and have X-Wings involved in this conflict. That would be really cool. I would cool. love to see... Mandalorians fighting next to X-Wings. Yes. It would be an absolute vibe. Well, you can imagine... Approved by Two Sons Podcast, yes, if I, you will. It would be 100% approved. Zeb fighting with a bow rifle on the surface of Mandalore would be pretty damn cool. That would be cool. Because you can, you can imagine, too, just like the way that they could in live action really kind of capture his size and yeah. his like physical that, yeah, position. His, yeah, his, his physicality. I would imagine yeah. that... Uh, because again, you got to remember that this little uh, Marshall guy—I can't remember his name now—but uh, um, the one who went to Coruscant to appeal for help. Uh huh. You got to think that he, Captain uh, Tava, 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 yeah, Tava, yeah. 
He has like a real emotional investment in what's happening on Navarro. Too. He's legitimately a good guy. And, yeah. Yes, and he he seems to think that there's an Imperial warlord involved. Right. So Which he's correct. And obviously, he he was the one who discovered that Moff Gideon escaped. So mm-hmm. I think it makes perfect sense that he would have a mutual interest with the Mandalorian grouping under Bo-Katan to try mm. to remove. Uh, 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 Moff Gideon from the Mandalorian system entirely, yeah. and it's so perfectly set up for like a good space battle with Dude, X wings right. and everything, and a good planetary battle. Like it's uh, it's perfectly it's set, set up. up it's set up yeah. beautifully. I think yeah. I think no matter where it happens, it's it's definitely set up for a giant battle with Moff Gideon and, and all of his troops. Mm-hmm. I hundred percent agree. I'm very um, excited. So, so I want to talk about the droid bar thing a little okay, bit. Okay, let's get into it. Um, I love a good droid, like, which is like you know, in part because of the practical effects that we love with Star Wars, and and there's there's this like level of jankiness that is within Star Wars that's totally within like allowable limits, yes. right? Like, we would rather have like a slightly like odd looking like. Um, mannequin mannequin controlled by like a puppet hand like rather than cgi right that's just like what we're into that's what we're used to that's what's like kind of acceptable in like the star wars like the difference between irobot cgi versus exactly that's a perfect example that's a perfect example so um i actually loved the bar scene with the droids i thought it was i thought it was an odd spin we know so so and and here's why it's good. <laughs> you look so disappointed. This is make your amazing. case. I'm I'm with I'm withholding so opinion. For there's now. different. There's almost like different levels of droids, right? Like for example, uh, yes. we see uh, droids that have a ton of personality. K two S O Chopper C three P O R two D two. Then we see droids with way less personality. Um, Battle droids in their own way, even though they do kind of have like a really goofy personality. Um, super battle droids don't have a whole lot of personality. How about Protocol Jabba's droids. droid that's in charge and puts R2-D2 and C-3PO to work? Like that yes. kind of guy. Yeah. yeah. So, and, Or it's and like he's just strictly protocol. Like, just only protocol, yeah. no personality. Yeah. Um, and there's even like mouse droids that we see. So th- there's like these varying levels of personality. Um, so, so to me, you know, if, if you could remember that and think about droids like K2SO, um, it makes sense that they'd want to have like a little area of respite where, where they could go and do their own thing. Mm-hmm. So like, it, it's I, I, like, if someone makes the argument like, yeah, like we'll, we'll pass on the droid bar. That's a little bit new and odd for us. Like I, I get it. I get it. But for me, it totally worked. I thought it was cool. Yeah. Like, I mean, okay. I'm, I could, I cut star Wars leeway on this sort of thing because I, at the end of the day, like star Wars has a, a joint audience. So for instance, like the way I'd look at it is, um, you know, if they made, if, if like for instance, if they decided to make movies about Darth Bane, uh-huh. like that sort of thing, they'd have to cater towards an adult audience. It would have a dead serious, very dark, It'd be dark. kind of approach, right? Yeah, but like, ha- there there would intrinsically be like some really dark aspects of that story, no matter what. If they're actually going to do Darth Bane, like it would not be a kids show. And I think means. we're going to learn really quickly from the acolyte what direction they plan on going when they portray the Sith, which yeah. I'm super interested in. But you know, when it comes to shows like Ahsoka, for instance, or The Mandalorian, or Boba Fett, or really any of these like kind of like mainstream Star Wars shows that have they they have a wide berth and like yeah, and it they, they kind of remind me of like Pixar movies where it's like there's a definitive like 
element to the content that's catered towards adults, like these layered jokes mm-hmm. and these like cultural references. Right. But then there's like this lower stuff that's kind of like intended to please children. Yeah. And like that's kind of the way I look at, at some of these scenes where it's like I I appreciate and I give a lot of leeway towards them kind of catering a portion of the show towards them and yeah. and, and like and you just kind of give it a, a break. I think there's a line like like I think even like Rian Johnson with the lobbing laser fire, for instance, garbage. Like as garbage as I, it gets in Star Wars. It, oh, it was literally one of the, the, my least favorite it's, moments. It's the worst atrocity in Star Wars, of my opinion. That in the gravity well hyperspace jumps at the beginning of that. Oh, movie. that's second, but, quick second uh, at the beginning of the next movie, I should say. Yeah. But like the 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 problem I have with it is like he's thinking to himself like, oh, like this to me is gonna kind of have vibes like a naval you know, we're at sea and like, yeah. like, like the kind of thing. And he's trying to like send this imagery out. And what he doesn't realize is it crosses so far onto the other side that it's like not right. Yeah. Which but is this, why this, I would argue that he's not a true Star Wars fan. No, he did not. not know what he was doing. No, of course and not. He was and, making and, a Star Wars movie, which well, is ridiculous. Co- plain and simple. There was one reason why he should never have done that. The first Star Wars scene ever recorded was the exact same thing. It was a Star Destroyer chasing a, a Corvette yeah. um, off a, uh, just outside of a gravity well and firing, uh, they Direct were exchanging lasers. turbo laser fire yeah. and it was straight line fire. So yep. like he, he just spit in the face of that. Yep. That said, within the context of this episode, I'm cool with it all. So cool. when I'm complaining about this, it's just more just like Preference. what I was thinking in the yeah, moment, yeah. Not, a, not something that was actually really truly bothering me. But can you imagine if like, Luke Skywalker was sitting in his little like room and he like peels the thing off of R2D2 and they're talking and then uh uh Owen's uh, Uncle Owen and Aunt Brew are like, Hey, come to dinner and then C three PO's like Peace out. I'm headed to the bar, bro. <laughs> like, just, like, I mean, I'm I, meeting like, some I, dudes. I, I am at gonna the be, bar. I'm going to go on into Ponte Bender. Okay, <laughs> like, like it just. I, I just don't understand that specific. Like that no, to I me. That to me was like. I was like, okay, this is kind of weird. No, but it, it, it felt what it felt like to me was like the textbook and you and I have like used this reference before but like the group sitting in the storyboard room and some someone being like you know what we haven't seen yet yeah. <laughs> a bunch of droids Droid hanging out in a bar you know like I'm that's just glad kinda... that they didn't have like a little strip tease with one of the droids like that would have been way too much oh yeah dude oh it would have been ridiculous <laughs> cuz yeah cuz like and and you see like little strip teases in Star Wars like all over the place Jabba's palace is one oh, yeah. of them right there's lots of sex workers in the Star Wars lots. universe <laughs> yeah lots um there was one part two like speaking of the droid you know storyline or whatever that kind of just like ripped me out of star wars like and that's a term for any of you like new listeners like there's a term that we use jason and i where like we feel like we're ripped out of the star wars universe when there's just something like just super distracting um and well you've got to it's you have to be bought into the universe yeah like to really enjoy it you've got to be bought in yeah and there are elements that sometimes you're like okay jason and i talk about the star wars universe like it's real just like sports commentators talk about wwe like it's real you know what i mean like it's just like there's just like a level to to it like where we like bought into it like it it's a it's a big part of our lives like we both love star wars that's why i have a podcast about it like Mm -hmm. right so but there's one part that kind of like ripped me out of that and they're in that lab and then they pull out that super battle droid as if it's like a carcass in a morgue. Oh right? yeah, and it's so in storage. It's in literally like it's a in like cold box. storage, right? And then and then they like pull its uh, they pull its fluids, uh, its blood, if you will. And then they're like they're like analyzing it. And you know, in like the old like CSI or like NCIS, where like they're like trying to like look at like video footage and they're like enhance it. 
Yeah, and like, like enhancing, and then like all of a sudden, like a really bad like video just gets like super crystal clear, and you oh, can see who dude. it is. Like that technology literally is impossible. By the way, yeah, like, it's, it's literally, like, literally impossible. impossible. It doesn't make any sense. Um, so like they kind of did that, like where they, like pull out the blood, and then they they like put it like into a, um, what was like a like a makeshift centrifuge thing that they actually do that with the blood uh, to separate components of the blood, yeah. which was cool that they did that. But anyways. Uh, or human blood, I mean. Um, but anyways, uh, they're like analyzing it. And then for some reason, like all of this um, writing, like, writing is on illuminate. these. <laughs> just And they're on these like, uh, like what, are the, what type of droid is it? The nanodroids? Uh-huh. Like who in their right mind would, would essentially like write down all that information about you know, and then about, you know, what the, what the nanodroid is. Like, why would you ever put information on that small of a nanodroid on its, on its capsule? Like, and it, it was like a chain, no it was like a chain code. I know. Too. And then yeah. they're like, oh, because it's a chain code, we could see where it came in, it, like which port it came in, which make also makes no sense. Like it just, it was like a, a huge reach and you can tell that they just like tried to layer it enough to where people just like wouldn't think about it. Yeah. Like if we add four you know, or five layers, they'll just be like, ah, I'm not even going to try uh, to Because it's a uh, droid blood and because it's under a microscope. And, be, and because it has writing on it, and because it's illegal to, you know, bring, uh, what is it, Nepenthe in from any other means, we know that it was illegal, and we knew it was a directly related to this. <laughs> it's like, how did you guys do that? Like, I don't, it just didn't make well, any sense. Well, and then also, so. there's this thing in Star Wars, I don't know if you, like, caught on to this too, but, like, like computers in Star Wars are ultra vintage. Like, yeah. obviously, because George Lucas in the 70s was trying to, like, like trying to depict what a computer probably would look like and that got established it kind of reminds me if if any of you guys have ever played fallout like fallout is like this alternate universe where uh basically the society advances in nuclear technology at a far faster rate than they do with transistor technology so like everything is like has unlimited sources of power from nuclear energy but they all the computers are shitty yes and like that's what it kind of reminds me. There's of. like four buttons on Star Wars computers. Yeah, well, like so, <laughs> right? Like it's, the, it's which is the coolest thing in my opinion. Exactly. But yeah, we like, love that. What's the uh, Doctor Pershing when he's like messing around at his little console? Like the screen's like this big I on know. it, and he's got like a bunch of buttons, <laughs> and he's like sticking the code in, and like kind of like do with the buttons, and yeah. it's like it, like that's Star Wars, and, that and then sud- Wars. suddenly it's like she's got like the 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 Mission Impossible screen <laughs> with all of like the <laughs> you know, it was just not yeah not yeah, super so, Star Wars exactly. And again, we're just we're just venting about stuff like. Again, I'm going to give massive amounts of leeway with this kind of stuff. Yeah, um, I, I, especially I because they've done the such movies, a good it's job. It's a different standard. Exactly, yeah. it mm-hmm. is. And and they've done the um, John Favreau and and uh, Dave Filoni uh, and and everybody who's been a part of the Mandalorian. And you got so mad far. at me for mispronouncing Sabak, by the way. Yeah, I know that was a butchering of his name. <laughs> um, John Favreau. <laughs> Uh, they've done a fabulous job. So like, this yes. is literally just Jason and I being candid about our thoughts. Like this isn't trash talk by any means. Um, overall, like loved the episode. Uh, if I had to rate it, which we don't really do on this show, but if I had to rate it, I'd give it a, a solid 6.4. And that's, that's a good rating. No, no. Like in my opinion, like no ratings are so out of hand in today's society. Like, Oh, I'm not going to go to that doctor unless it's a 4.5 star out of fives or higher. It's like, no, like there was an incredible episode, like last episode, which I loved was probably like a 9.3. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what a 10 would be. 
you know, that would just be off the charts. It would be probably unachievable. It would be perfect, which there's nothing. You'd, you'd have to have Luke Skywalker mess up a bunch of droids on his way upstairs. I'd have yeah. to watch the episode with George Lucas himself <laughs> to be a 10. <laughs> okay. like so. Like, Luke's become very jaded. By no, him, no. I'm just kidding. No, it was an incredible episode. Very side questy. Most of it was side questy just for the, the, the big token of With the big of, token at the end. Yeah. An important one. And a yeah. very important token. Yeah. Overall, it's a great episode. I've just, you know, my, my score Scoring system is probably just a little bit skewed compared to like average scoring systems. I did not even think about rating it, but yeah, I'd probably go like six or seven out of ten yeah. if I had to. Which um, is solid. So before we get out of here, I want to. Uh, did you have any kind of like residual thoughts from the Bad Batch season two? Oh, um, just about kind of like where you where you think that fits into the Star Wars universe, whether or not you think Bad Batch is worth it in terms of like the effort that Star Wars is putting in. Um, Do you like, do do you just have any lingering thoughts from that? I would like to know how much, um, how much it costs to produce Bad Batch. I'm sure it's incredibly expensive. Like probably if you and I threw out a number, it'd probably be way lower than what we could even fathom. The the animation, I would imagine like there's got to be some studio i don't know if they contract out an animation studio or if it's like part of lucasfilm like they have their own people on staff that would be an interesting question to figure out because i do know that they uh like marvel for instance uh, outsources a lot of oh their, really a lot of their animation which like, is which is disney well yeah well this is actually crazy like i was watching what was the most recent marvel movie that came out uh ant-man i think and uh, the vast majority of the of the movie is CGI mm-hmm. because there's like all these different like multiverse settings that you're in uh, watching at one point, like the, all the characters are like walking through these various parts of the multiverse and you're getting right. introduced to Jonathan Majors who's playing King the Conqueror. Probably going to end up getting recast <laughs> after what happened. Oh, I know. You had a crisis, yeah. But uh, uh, essentially... I don't care about famous people. So yeah, yeah. Luke's I don't know right, what you're Luke's, talking about. Luke's, I was done with Jonathan Majors as soon as he got famous. Forget about the domestic violence stuff. So, uh, uh, so basically, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, like at the end of the movie, because you you know with Marvel, you're always like, and I've grown I've grown annoyed by it now, where it's like I have to wait till the d- end of the damn credits to see the final cutscenes, you mm. know, and they yeah. have two of them in every single like oh, they'll I show know. like a third of the credits and then they'll show a cutscene and then they'll do like the long form credits and then they'll do another cutscene. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there and I'm just watching, I'm watching, and like I shit you not, they contracted out like a dozen different animation studios. Oh, where you got to see them all with their like yeah, because all of them have like a like a five second little reel that they put on if they're a part of any any movie, right? Well, I would imagine from a time perspective too, like like for let's use Bad Batch for an example. Um, over the course of one season. You know, they might have all those voice actors come in for like three weeks and just record all and the just episodes crank it and out. be done. Yeah. You know? So then they go like, okay, we've got 37 visual scapes that we need to yeah. create. Like you can go to your one studio and they can go one by one through them. Sure. Or you can be like, hey, here's six scapes for this company. Yeah. Here's six for this company. Here's six for this company. Like they I would do imagine a good that's job the way they do it. it. Keeping it the same though. I mean, that's oh, one of the reasons. Oh, keeping the same theme? Yeah. That's one of the reasons why I really like it is because like – it's never like you don't watch different episodes and feel like they're different different studios. You know what I mean? That's a good question. Yeah. Well, so sometimes I wonder too. Are you familiar with the concept of like a game engine? 
No. So, like, for instance, uh, and I'm not an expert on this, so if uh, if, oh, I think uh, I if there's somebody who's listening, this. yeah, but like, like for instance, if you play Call of Duty, there's like an engine that runs the game. I see. And like, once you plug in the models, like the engine kind of does. Everything it's almost else. its own little world, and you just kind of like plug in your needs, and then it, the the formatting's already set up for you. Exactly. Yeah, and okay. I, and I think Clone Wars kind of has an engine vibe to it, it does. where like everything kind of has like a similar stylistic kind of concept, like it just does. the way jaw lines are done, the way hair is done, the way that's true. Like the the way that like the lighting is in these scenes. Well, and you and see so, a lot of clones, right? Well, and those sure. are all the same essentially. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I wonder if they have like a base engine for the way that they do it, and then yeah, they I'm have sure they like, do. and then they let these studios go with more of like the creativity Uh, elements of it yeah but yeah like uh, there's no doubt that that it's probably very expensive so yeah to answer your question i do think it's worth it um just because we know that dave filoni is kind of on cleanup duty and trying to make the whole entire cloning portion of star wars normal so so like that's honestly what bad batch is about like you you can you can make the argument and it's partially about you know, uh, Clone Force 99 and Omega. Uh, sure. But like, really, that is all promoting through their stories. That's promoting the the storyline, the major overarching storyline of cloning is normal in Star Wars Galaxy. Yeah, it, it's it's setting up the stage for Palpatine's cloning story. It's uh, uh, telling the story of how the clones were phased out. Yeah. It's a lot of early Empire politics. Yep. Which I think is cool. Yep. And then, like you said, they're telling all that story through the scope of, um, uh, through the scope of the of Bad Batch. And, right. And you get interested in the characters, and then they kind of take it home from there. I I will say that I genuinely enjoyed it. I do. I think that. Um, I think that there it, the show is at its best when it focuses on the big uh, the big scale. Agreed. Um, it's at its best when it's not just the bad batch doing another mission, side quest, but more right? like, like that's some of the some of those episodes were the epitome of a side quest. Exactly. Yeah. And and like w- like when you're seeing Tarkin and you're seeing Imperial politics and Palpatine yeah. shows up and he messes Dope. shit up, like that is when the show's at its best, and that's that's when Star Wars is generally at its best, and that's right. and that's why like trapping yourself in a timeline is so dangerous, is like you run into the situation where you're telling a lot of unimportant stories, right? Right. Um, but overall, like I enjoyed it way more than I did season one. For starters, I actually watched every episode. Season one, I missed some of the episodes towards the end. Um, I'm, I'm actually invested now. It's not my favorite piece of Star Wars content ever, but I've enjoyed it. Yeah. I've, mm-hmm. I've been loving it. Yeah. It's, it's been, it's been really neat to see it. I think, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I, for all of our listeners too, uh, Jason and I probably next week or sometime later this week, we'll, we'll talk about convergence, which is the, the most book. recent high, high Republic book that we listened to. Um, for anybody that wants to listen to it, you can get it on the, uh, like app bookstore, like the Apple app bookstore. And what Jason and I do is we actually crank up the speed. Uh, so like um, 1.25. Yeah. We crank up the speed that it's read, uh, by like, you know, up to 1.25 and it cuts off like hours and and it, you don't really lose any of the essence of like how the book feels. You actually get very used to listening to it. Mark Thompson reads slowly. He does. So like the 1.25 actually really helps audio highly recommend the audio books. Yeah. It's an incredible work. Yeah. Very well produced. So we'll, we'll be getting into that uh, pretty soon here. Um, and did, did you have anything else? Any, any other big, big things? Um, let's see, we've got, um, yeah, the, the, and then there's another new 
uh, a, a High Republic book coming out, I think, this week. Sweet. But yeah, we'll just... Um, just we'll be back next week and we'll cover uh we'll we'll either do an episode before then or we'll do it as the second half of the next week's episode but we'll talk a little bit about convergence and then honestly we're ju- we're in Mandalorian for right now and then yeah. when that's over we'll find something else to kind of flow into until yeah. Ahsoka comes in July. Yeah. yeah. And and again like we've been getting so much support lately. Yeah. Uh, it's been awesome. It's been really really cool like again like thank you so much for you guys' comments. Uh we get a huge kick out of reading all of them. Um, also, for everybody that's been congratulating me on on being a dad, like thank you. Uh, really, it's it's been cool. unless you're famous. Uh, yeah, unless you're famous, <laughs> I don't really care. Uh, but no, in all honesty, like uh, thank you for the engagement. Uh, Jay and I will be you know messaging you guys back. Jay Jason runs our our uh, YouTube platform. Um, so if he says anything that's like rude to you or it's belittling, it's, yeah. it's all Jason. <laughs> it's, it's really not me. So I'm, I'm the nice guy out of Jason and I, and I'll, I'll try to do a better job of responding to comments. It's just, uh, to be honest, I'm just, in, just absurdly busy. Well, and, 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 yeah. So, and when Jason says that he, it's actually true. Like Jason puts in really, really late nights, uh, covering the NBA and then he wakes up and, and does this show with, with me and, and, uh, it, you know, our schedules need to, to match up and, and it, it actually does take a lot to, to do this. And even though it's a lot of fun, you know, it's yeah. definitely, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, we put in a lot of effort into this. So, but, but honestly, thank you so, so much. And, and we're super grateful for you. Yeah. Believe it or not. I think, I think this is like our 57th episode. It's yeah. It's good. It's, and we've, almost at our year anniversary yeah. I believe yeah. I'm getting there. so it's pretty cool alright guys as always we appreciate you guys don't forget to subscribe to the channel and we will see you guys next week thanks a lot